This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to the Guide and Cancel Culture podcast. You know, I'm doing a lot of publicity on my new book, and I always enjoy being interviewed by Mark Taylor of KENO Crosspoint out in Missouri. And so here is my interview, but before I play it, I want to encourage you to go to my website, stevestrangbooks.com, because you can get a copy that's autographed by the author. Hey, that's little old me. And of course, you can get it at many other outlets. Uh, Barnes & Noble is one of the best, but also some of the online retailers as well as some other retailers. Some of the Christian bookstores have carried it. In fact, the Christian bookstore magazine, CRA Today, actually ran a feature story on the book, so I thought that was neat. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mark Taylor on KEO Crosspoint. America and the Christian population must stand strong before it's too late and the clock is ticking. Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. Along with me today is Stephen Strang. He's a best-selling author, founder, and CEO of Charisma Media. And again, welcome to our Crosspoint broadcast. We want to thank Stephen Strang for being with us today. Now, Stephen, you've written a lot of books. You have a big job on your hands there with Charisma Media and Charisma Magazine, uh, Probably now more than ever, we need that kind of a voice out there in the world talking to us, especially here in America. On the back of this latest book, God and the Cancel Culture, talking about standing strong before it's too late. You say 64% of Americans believe cancel culture is a threat to their freedom. And then you say, where is God in all this? So how do we get started? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your program. Um, It's always good to be with you. Uh, you're right, I have written a bunch of books, but I've published more. I've, we think I've published 2,000 books. About wow. 1,000 of them are still in print. Good. I've been, you know, a Christian journalist for 46 years, so that tells you I'm an old guy, but I started pretty young. Yeah. And uh, been just trying to report, you know, on what's happening in the Christian community, particularly the charismatic arm. Yes, that's right. Uh, of course, that's through Charisma Magazine. Yes. And uh, in more recent years, you know, we've published books. We have the Charisma Podcast Network, which is now up to 70 million downloads. Uh, when I started, I, I could not have even conceived of, you know, what's happening with uh, podcasts and digital. Yeah, and you're right. Of course, I started long before the Internet. You know, where's God in all this? I would ask that question really for everything we do and everything we deal with in our culture. Uh, My vantage point is not political per se, although, you know, like everybody else, I have political views, but it's what is God saying, which is not part of the dialogue, unfortunately, in our country. It's just not. The secular people aren't interested, they don't care. That was true in the 1970s when I started. It was just that the secular community was not as hostile toward uh, God and Christians and the gospel message as we see now. But back then, you know, you didn't hear people on TV talking about uh, revival or the move of the Holy Spirit or the need for repentance or America going downhill. But even in the Christian community, there are a lot of people that aren't that interested in it. You know, they even if they go to church, they just want to feel good message and, you know, feel like they're doing, you know, like they're a good person or whatever. So when I approach cancel culture, which is really uh, 
the term is relatively new. Canceling has been going on for uh, millennia. I mean, the Romans tried to cancel Christianity in the first century. They did not succeed, um, and they won't succeed this time. But it's almost like what's happening in the world is is rapidly culminating into something. And those of us who are Christians who can read the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel, which deal with end times, you know, we know that things are going to get bad. We just sort of didn't know what it was. And and a lot of us, including me, kind of just assumed it would be way in the future. But, you know, something is happening. And I try to help the reader sort of understand that by examining, um, you know, what we now call cancel culture. And you know, it goes all the way from canceling the president of the United States on Twitter so he can't even get his message out, uh, which I think is pretty bad. But uh, for me personally, the canceling Christianity, the Christian worldview, and we've even had some of this with our own media company. So, for example, we published a book around 2004 by Reverend Lou Sheldon called yep. The Gay Agenda. And, uh, you know, of course, it was somewhat controversial because back in that era, states were passing constitutional amendments to their state constitution to define marriage as one man and one woman. Uh, Over 30 states did that. And then the Supreme Court, by one vote, by an unelected judge, um, Anthony Kennedy, uh, made uh, same-sex marriage legal in our country. And we thought that was bad. And, you know, in the few years since then, what is that, six years ago, now we have transgenderism. um, And it goes way beyond having, letting men go into, or into women's bathrooms. I mean, now there, there are some examples of teaching it in the schools. There are some examples, I go into this in the book, of where people think that a six-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl, should be encouraged in that direction. I mean, it's just astounding, and I'm trying to sound an alarm. I'm trying to wake up the church, because so many ch- Christians are passive, or they don't know what to do, or they hear about other people being canceled, uh, you know, for putting something. In fact, in the book, I give an example that the um, I'm, I hope I say this right. I think it's called the National Association of Realtors. Um, it's some kind of national group. They're saying that their code of ethics means that they can't um, make anyone feel uncomfortable. And an example of, you know, which doesn't sound too bad, but an example of this is a realtor who puts a scripture on their own website that might make a transgender or gay person. Uh, feel uncomfortable, and then they call it hate speech, and that person can lose their license. Now, I'm probably not saying it precisely right. There's there's subtleties, but I mean, this is unthinkable that someone can be offended by what the Word of God says. In fact, there's there's a move. I think someday they're going to try to cancel the Bible as hate speech, yeah. and you know they kind of. Uh, gotten onto this, they they justify anything they do. They almost have a moral superiority. It's almost like a religion in a way. It's a secular, leftist, woke re, uh, religion, and nobody's talking about it. 
So I go into those kinds of things. I talk about the cancel culture, how they've tried to cancel these doctors who, you know, very respected doctors who do research, who say that uh, things like ivermectin will actually help people from co- get over COVID or maybe the vaccines are dangerous. If I remember right, 7,000 people have died from the, you know, what they call the vaccine. Somebody said it should be called a shot because it's not really a vaccine. And it's more deaths than have happened from all other uh, vaccines. And, you know, there are a lot of people who have question marks about vaccine, whether it's the polio vaccine or whatever. Uh, You know, they say that a lot of autism in children is caused by that. Now, I'm not an expert in that area, but I mean, there have been question marks about vaccine. But this one is far, far worse. So if anyone even talks like I am, you can get canceled. So back to this book, we published this book, like I said, in around 2004. At the time, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both said that marriage was between one man and one woman. So the book was not particularly controversial at the time. It did predict a lot of the stuff that's happened since then. So it was sold on Amazon, like all books are sold on Amazon. They sort of claim to sell just about every uh, book in English in the world. Uh, There are millions of books. And uh, suddenly, in the fall of, of 2020, they took it off. They took it off. And there had been no controversy. Frankly, the book was not selling that well all these years later. But somebody obviously went through their list and anything that didn't agree with, I mean, we can only speculate. They would not give us answers, nothing. Because, you know, we're a publishing house. We publish a lot of books, as I said, and they wouldn't say anything. They just leave you to wonder. And this has happened with others, too. So they'll release a new um policy that says we don't allow any hate speech and then they they do something and it leaves everyone to wonder well what did i do that was hate speech you know and then everybody gets all nervous and then they self-censor well i better not say this they may cancel me i think that the self-cancellation is actually the worst and so if they can intimidate us into not talking about uh being saved being born again the need to repent of sin uh, because there are all kinds of things that people do that the Bible calls sin. And, uh, you know, people have uh, rejected the gospel, and there's been uh, people that are not Christians, not liking, fi- you know, hell, fire, brimstone preaching. I mean, you know, this is well known, but it was kind of allowed to exist because we have freedom of, of religion. We saw with the whole COVID thing, that our freedom of religion was is really under attack in a way that none of us even thought was possible with these governors shutting down churches. Now, here in Florida, where I live, we have hurricanes. And I've lived through a couple of hurricanes that happened on the weekend. Well, guess what? The churches were shut down, but so was everything else because it wasn't safe to be outdoors. I mean, even the police didn't go out. Um, you know, they would say you can't even call 911 because the emergency peep is too dangerous to come out and rescue you. Um, and it was only one weekend. With COVID, uh, some of the restrictions still exist, and there there have been lawsuits, especially in California, to get the churches open. 
this is canceling Christianity. The hypocrisy is that in the same time, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom was encouraging and complimenting the rioters who were not, uh, you know, this was after the, um, in the riots of last summer, who were out there, no social distancing, no masks, but that was okay, but going to church was not. You could go to a liquor store, you could go to a uh, marijuana dispensary, apparently. Apparently they have those out in California, but you couldn't go to church because it was unsafe. You could go to Walmart, Sam's, all these places, uh, Costco, it wasn't unsafe, but being in a church, even even though the churches, every, I know of no church that was careless. In fact, the ones that uh, tried to remain open would be meticulous about cleaning things, social distancing. My own church required you to wear a mask. Uh, here in Florida, it wasn't nearly as bad, but and our governor wasn't really trying to keep churches shut down. In fact, they opened up as my my church opened up right around uh, Memorial Day of 2020, and life is pretty normal here in Florida. But in some parts of the country, churches are still hindered. They can only have, you know, a relatively few people, maybe half. You know, at first it was uh, 25 people or 25 percent, you know, that type of thing. I mean, it's just awful. And really what happened was some of these leftist Leaning governors found they had power. They used this health emergency, this pandemic, which has affected the whole world, as an excuse to shut down churches. Well, if they're going to do that, they should shut down everything because it's unsafe. But it's like they were discriminating against Christians. It was like this health emergency allows us to take away constitutional rights. Our constitutional rights do not go away because there's a health emergency. It just doesn't. People should be willing, should be able to take a risk if they want to. Now, I've had COVID. I had a very, very mild case. I do know I've had one or two personal friends who died. But, you know, what's going on is just is just ludicrous. And um, I, I'm concerned. That's why I wrote the book. I think what's happening in America is very dangerous. And I sort of lump all the above under cancel culture. That's kind of how... That's kind of how it rears its ugly head, and it's not just one thing, it's many things. But where's God in all this? God has a plan and purpose that we don't understand. You know, I believe that all things work together for good, and good will come out of this. It's separating, you know, the expression in the Bible, separating the wheat from the chaff. We're finding out real quick which people are just kind of Christians in name only and which ones, uh, you know— in my church, we would say, on fire for God. Also, a lot of pastors that were very, very passive. I interviewed uh, quite a number of uh, pastors. I'm thinking of Rob McCoy in California, Greg Farrington in California, Chay On in California. They all stood up to Gavin, Gavin Newsom. They held church, even though he had said not to. Uh, some of them uh, faced huge fines until the the judges, thankfully, ruled in their favor. Uh, Governor Newsom or the state of California had to pay $1.2 million in legal fees that one of these churches, it was Cheon in Pasadena, had to incur just to defend their constitutional rights. Riding Howard Brown down here in Florida, 
was actually arrested. It was very early in the COVID thing, and um, some misguided officials arrested him because he had violated the order to shut down his church. I'm told that he is the first pastor in America to ever be arrested for the crime of holding a church service. Now, when that happened, thankfully, some there were some people who were saying down here, uh, our governor, Ron DeSantis, immediately said that churches were essential. I think it may have slipped through the cracks somehow, and the officials in Hillsborough County backpedaled as fast as they could. So he was okay, and it actually helped all the other churches. You know, good yep. things can happen yep, right. out of bad things. But yep. we've got to speak up. We've got to stand strong. We've got to somehow turn the tide before it's too late. Yeah, I agree. Stephen, you know, you have been talking about counseling and all that. Now, if people are interested in a book like this or other books you read, you know, with what's being canceled out, how can they find these books? Well, the book releases September 7th, which is the day after Labor Day. Uh-huh. And if they come to my website, we'll send them the book. Uh, if you go to Amazon or ChristianBooks.com or some of the other booksellers, they will release it the day of release, September 7th. I have a new podcast called God and Cancel Culture, in which I just, it's a way to promote the book, and I'm getting thousands of downloads. And I did, uh, as I recall, 22 interviews with leaders for the book. You know, I didn't use every single thing, thing they said, but then I went back and turned them into podcasts. You know, I was going to tell you, Stephen, you know, I'm I'm glad that you've got that voice out there for us. You know, I, I spoke somewhere here just a while back, and I was telling people that as long as you're afraid of death and even afraid of just fear, you can never serve God the way that you need to serve God. You'll never be effective as you could. But I said, if you really want to be effective for God, make yourself valuable to God. Be value, and nothing then is going to stand in your way as long as you're valuable to him, and he needs you in some area, and you're willing to do it. And I think this is one of those areas where we've needed somebody, and you've done that over the years and made that platform available. So I I thank you for doing that. And you've given a lot of opportunity to actually new voices that's come on a scene, and one of them here in the book is a guy that I've talked to several times, and of course, you've known for a long time as well as uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. And I really think that he is a voice for today. I believe he is one of those that God is using in our culture. And you talk about this uh, prophetic message, you know, in the book here on page 23 for President Joe Biden at the time when the election came up, and it was just days before the inauguration, and how that, uh, you know, it was a message that he sent out, but he was then taken off of YouTube and Google and different things like that. And basically, he mentioned nothing about election fraud or none of the things that were going on. He just pointed out, if you lead the people this way or if you lead them that way, here's the results of what can happen. That was all it was about. But that wasn't even allowed, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't totally canceled because you could get to his video if you had the link. In other words, it was kind of private, but you could not Google his name. Uh, you couldn't go to his website, nothing. But a million and a half people watched that. You're right, I did uh, quote it because he's a prophetic voice. Then in the back of the book, we had two appendix. It was Appendix A. We uh, published the entire statement, which was you know too long to put in the, in the narrative if people want to read it. But as an example, I mean, he, there was nothing that you could really point to other than he was speaking 
you know, prophetically and speaking the Word of God, but none of these little things that apparently get you in trouble applied to him. He didn't talk politics, like you said. He didn't mention election fraud. Um, and it's just ludicrous. And the thing is, they're getting away with it. Uh, you know, it's a little here and a little there, and there, there's not enough for a public uproar, and people are busy living their lives. And, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, you can gripe about it on social media. You run the risk of getting canceled yourself. You know, there are a lot of examples of where people just passed along links to things, and then they were canceled, or they were given a timeout for two weeks, kind of a, you know, like making a school child stand in the corner for being bad. Like, I don't know that that happens much, but when I was a kid that, you know, sometimes they would discipline a kid that way. And it's, you know, the left, first of all, they've been making gains for 100 years. This isn't brand new. The first president to use the word progressive was Woodrow Wilson. And then, of course, things got very liberal during the time of um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt. And, you know, we used to think back in the day that that uh, Kennedy and Johnson and some of those people were liberal. <laughs> they would be conservatives now. The Democratic Party probably kick them out because, you know, they're not so far left. In fact, I talk a lot in the book about how the country has shifted to the left. There's a push for socialism. It's really communism. Uh, China is behind a lot of it. Uh, what China is doing is, in my opinion, just terrible. In fact, in my book, God, and, uh, God Trump in the 2020 election, I talk a lot about China and what they were trying to do to, to uh, swing the election. They, they put money through front organizations uh, to try to flip states. And, I mean, there's a lot of proof that they did this in Virginia and some other states to try to flip them from red to blue. And, uh, you know, politics has always been dirty to some extent. But, I mean, it's just a whole new level. And the thing is that the whole Democratic Party has gone left. Even Joe Biden, who is a fairly reasonable senator, he wasn't particularly controversial. He kind of went along with the flow. But he's gone along with the flow with all this wokeness stuff. And there's even churches now that are kind of embracing it. There are a lot of, you know, so-called evangelical Christians that are embracing some of the stuff. Well, it's not too bad. And, you know, I mean, it's really a continuation of, of what's been happening. But I, I believe it's almost happening at warp speed. Uh, you know, changes no. in culture that used to would have taken decades or even centuries, are now happening almost within a year. I mean, look how much worse things are now than they were a year ago, or certainly two years ago, before COVID. And I, I'm saying we got to stand up before it's too late. I am uh, trying to sound an alarm. That's why I wrote the book. I'm not writing it because I thought, gee, I could make a lot of money selling a book. That's not my purpose at all. And thankfully... Uh, we're beginning to get a little bit of notice, media like you're doing. I have an interview in a couple of days with the New York Times, believe it or not. Now, I don't expect them to be a friend, but I'm glad they're at least um, acknowledging that Christians, or they would probably call us, you know, right-wing nuts. I don't consider myself that at all. I am a conservative, but, you know, I'm a journalist. I can kind of understand that other people have a a point of view, and I don't necessarily want to 
get rid of them in the marketplace of ideas. But I just don't want them to cancel me and people who uh, believe like I do from having our ideas. It's in, in fact, in the book, I say that it's like they think they've won because they have academia, the media. Right now, they have both houses of Congress and the White House, and they've got all these big tech giants and big pharma. You know, we could go right down the line. It's almost like we won, you lost, your ideas shouldn't even be allowed. In the book, I talk about in communist countries, this is what they do. Dictators have always done this. That's what they do. And it's not new. It's just new in America. America has been the one exception. It's kept the world safe for democracy. It's what stopped the communists from taking the world. And so now they're focused on America in order to take over one world government, et cetera, et cetera. They've got to get rid of America in the sense of, you know, being for freedom and free enterprise. There's so many aspects to this. And I, you know, I deal with all of them, at least in a small way, and try to help the reader to understand what's going on, because you can't get it in the mainstream media. There are a few other books. You know, there are other people, of course, standing strong and even in our own media, we, I do podcasts with uh, people. I, I one of my biggest podcasts was actually um, a, a book about how a lot of evangelical churches are are going left. And uh, I was happy to promote the book, even though I didn't publish it, because I think his message was so important. But what's happening is serious. We've got to take it as serious. Like I said earlier, it's hard for the average person to know what to do. I do have some simple suggestions toward the back of the book, you know, mainly quoting other Christian leaders on what people can do. You can post stuff on social media. You can get involved in political campaigns where the politicians are trying to stand up to this. You know, there are still some good guys. Easily, one-third of the country believes like you and I do in my at least that's my analysis. However, you can't win elections with one-third. And when you don't have the media, I mean, the media is almost entirely uh, leftist. That's just their and, – and listen, when I started my career, it was left-leaning, but at least, you know, they kind of tried to pretend that they were, um, you know, fair. That is out the window. It is totally out the window. Uh, our media is almost like Pravda, which is uh, – you know, the Russian state media, Pravda, in Ru- Russian, uh, the word means truth. Uh, it's not truth at all. It's propaganda. And our media has become propaganda for the Democratic Party, which is left. Listen, I was a Democrat for 20 years when I was younger. The issues were very different back then, and a lot of people in the South were Democrat just because they were. But it was a very, very different Democratic Party, and the Democrats have gotten rid of anyone that disagrees with them. There used to be pro-life Democrats. They're all gone. They would they would run people against them in the primaries to get them unelected. I mean, it took them a couple of decades, but I don't know of any uh, Democrat in Congress that's pro-life. And when these things like the Equality Act, which is very, very dangerous, thank God it's not passed yet, but every single Democrat voted for it, every single one. And it was basically to put LBGT plus rights in the same category as civil rights. And the plus is what's, what, what is scary, 
because they keep coming up with new variations, uh, the things I almost hate to talk about that aren't really mainstream yet, but uh, uh, sex with children, bestiality, and a whole lot of stuff. You know, this kind of stuff goes on right now. It's a little bit below the radar screen. So this is not necessarily new. But if they codified it into law and you don't hire someone who falls in that category, or if you speak against it, it's called hate speech. And uh, it's very, very dangerous. And, you know, Christians who know about it would agree that it's dangerous. But, I mean, what do we do? It's it's one or two votes in the Senate from being the law of the land. Now, there's a good possibility that the Supreme Court would knock it down, but, you know, that takes years, and there's no certainty. The Supreme Court has okayed some things that we thought they would never okay. And, I, you know, I started uh, this line of uh, discussion by saying that every single Democrat, no exceptions, voted for it. Now, I think every single Republican voted against it. So we are a pretty divided country. We certainly saw that with Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump got to power because things were getting so bad, and at least he kind of stood up for our rights. Now, he also made a lot of people mad. I personally think the election was stolen. Um, And I have a right to say that. I have free speech. But you know, there are some places I could say that, and I'd be canceled. Uh, I think that they need to look into it, um, because apparently there's a lot of proof that it was. Um, you know, I mean, isn't it interesting that Trump was winning, they shut down the count, and then the next morning there were hundreds of thousands of ballots for Biden. I mean, a lot of the stuff we hear is sort of anecdotal, because the authorities won't really look into it. But And it wasn't a fraud across the whole country. It was in the key states and the key precincts that would swing those states to Biden's column. I mean, isn't that interesting? My book actually predicted that some of these kinds of things would do. The thing that I did not know about was the Dominion uh, voting systems. Uh, I, I just was uh, unaware of that. But it falls into a pattern. Listen, right here in the state of Florida, which is uh, pretty red, I mean, we have a a Republican governor, two Republican senators, a majority of our congressmen are. But my my own mother was a victim of election fraud. I've written to the authorities, crickets. They don't even respond to my letters. I've written, I wrote about it in the book. She lived in assisted living. She always voted. She was at a point in her life, you know, where I had to take her. So I took her to the polls in early voting, and they turned her away. And I, she had her voter ID card and the whole thing, and they, they said she'd voted by absentee. And I couldn't prove that she hadn't. She said she didn't, but she's also kind of forgetful. But she's at a point in her life, she does not have the cognitive skill to request a ballot, fill it out, find an envelope, and mail it in. She just didn't. And uh, I think the people went through the, that old folks' home. They knew none of them would show up at the polls. They didn't know that I would take my mother to the poll, and they voted the ballots. And, um, you know, that, pro- that kind of thing probably happens a lot. And Florida is one of the better states, but she's in a, a Democratic part of town, and uh, 
you know, I can only speculate on what happened, but uh, I've not made a big deal about it. I did write about it in my book, as I said, and I wrote some letters. You know, nobody's concerned that my mother, she was probably 88 at the time, uh, you know, was turned away from the pole. It was like big deal, one vote. But it, it, it was an example that I saw up close and personal, something I thought I would never see. And it's just an example of what is probably going on in lots of places and happened. You know, I think the Democrats just decided that they wanted to get rid of Trump. They didn't care what they had to do. And um, but, you know, if you say that you get canceled, there's lots and lots of examples. Some people that are on a bandwagon. Yeah. You know, I always was so, you know, you can go back and look at it, Stephen. It was such a. Uh, you know, if you remember Nancy Pelosi standing in front of the camera several times and looking at it when she was talking and she said, I'm going to tell you something. I can guarantee you he will not sit in that chair on January the 20th. I will guarantee you that. And I kept saying, what does she know that she can guarantee that? You know, it just always did bother me. But again, tell people how they can find, a, find this book and find out more about your book, God and the Cancel Culture. Uh, they can go to my website, which is stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang. There's no E on the end of Strang, or you won't, you know, it won't work. And then books has an S on it, stevestrangbooks.com. That's our own uh, direct-to-consumer uh, website. But it will be widely available wherever books are sold. But on my website, probably the easiest way, and I'm on a whole bunch of media. In fact, I was confirmed just this week on Kenneth Copeland, Jim Baker, and the 700 Club. So I'm looking forward to those interviews. Yeah. And I'm just trying to get the word out. This is not so much about selling a book, but the book, I think it's very readable. I think the team that I worked with did a good job. I believe it's the most important book that I've personally written, one of the most important I've ever published. Of course, we've had some big authors like uh, Jonathan Kahn and Dr. Don Colbert, and we've had a couple of really big books over the years, for which I'm grateful. But I started writing books not to be a big author. Uh, I already have a platform. I did it because I thought something needed to be said. The first books were about Donald Trump, not because I was trying to defend the man. You know, there are a lot of things about him that I don't like either, uh, you know, especially about his background. But, you know, at least he was standing up to the bullies. And he was very strong for Christian religious freedom. He helped stand against persecution, not only, you know, mainly overseas. In fact, this week I interviewed Ambassador-at-Large Sam Brownback. In this book, Stephen, I find an interesting part that you talk about, and, you know, I think it's entitled The Persecution of America in Chapter 8 of the book. On page 128, you say, Antichrist approaching, and you say, Many Christians naturally take this next step and wonder if we or will see the rise of the Antichrist in the one world government in our generation. I think that's a big, big question that's being asked out there right now by all of what we're seeing going on. Well, I referred to this a minute ago where I said this is all culminating in something. And, you know, there's this big thing called the reset. Um, Somebody said that the reset, in fact, I think it was John Kerry, I may be remembering wrong, said the reset was nine years from now. And, you know, there's going to be a vacuum. There's going to come a leader that promises peace and 
kind of slips into that vacuum and everybody will love him. I mean, this is what the Bible says. Now, there have been strong leaders in the past that people thought were maybe the Antichrist. They were wrong. Um, you know, Jesus may not come back for, you know, many years from now. We don't know. But it certainly looks like we're moving to something, and there's more and more uh, persecution. America, you know, persecution is going on all around the world and has been through all of time, but America has been kind of an island of freedom because of our uh, Christian heritage and because it was codified into the—it's uh, the very first, because I believe it's the basic freedom, even in the First Amendment, you know, which gives us freedom of press and assembly and, and uh, free speech, of course, but freedom of religion and saying they cannot make a law to deny it is our basic right. From God, we get all of our other rights. And so we Americans have taken this for granted. You know, if you want to believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you want to believe that uh, you can't go to heaven unless you're baptized, or, you know, all kinds of different theology, you could if you wanted to be a different religion, Jewish or uh, Muslim or Hindu, or even, you know, some native religions. We had freedom of religion in America, and that is being taken away. Um, shutting down the churches is, is the biggest example of it. Um, arresting people or threatening to arrest them just for practicing their religion while not going after these rioters who are burning buildings and everything else. You know, some of this went on for days and days and days. It just shows the mindset. It's actually brought it to the uh, surface because this has been under the radar. I think some of these people have kind of been waiting for an excuse. I think that's what happened with, um, you know, the tragedy that happened in Minneapolis with George yeah. Floyd. You know, it was a tragedy. There's yeah. not one American that is sane, not one that thinks that death was justified. Not one. Nobody defends that police officer. Justice was done. But there were people who knew that sooner or later, a white cop would kill an unarmed black man, and they were ready to go. And it was just a matter. That was the, that was the trigger. How else did the rioting start so quickly? And there's stories of the rioters being bust in. Yeah. And Antifa and all this kind of stuff. And the media just kind of yawns. And, yeah. well, you know, they were just demonstrating. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there's some really bad things going on behind the scenes. Yeah, really bad And, things. you know, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. I have always uh, been very skeptical and, and don't identify with those kind of people. But I'm not a conspiracy theorist now. But I think there's a lot of proof that some very bad people are doing some very bad things to try to cancel people like you and me, take away our rights, and it's all moving towards some kind of world government. Whether that's the Antichrist or not, time will tell. But something is happening, and Christians and other conservatives cannot be passive. We must stand up before it's too late. Yeah, yeah. In the epilogue part of the book, back here, page 180, you say, as a longtime journalist who has made my living for decades as an editor, I tried to avoid redundancy, but I want to end with a call, no action by repeating or reemphasizing some important thoughts sprinkled throughout this book, and I share them as encouragement and exhortation to take action on what you have read. So this is a book where you are informing people what's going on, you're telling, you're pointing out, 
and then you're saying, now go out and do something. Well, thank you. Yes, and it's things like don't overreact to media hype and spin. Simplify and streamline your life. Reconnect with family and friends. Rethink your focus. Be an influence in the culture. Speaking to Christians, take more time to listen in prayer. And there's other things, too. I try to end with hope. The last chapter is called All Things Work Together for Good, which is the scripture, which I believe, Romans 8.28. And as Christians, if we believe the Bible, we have to believe that's true. And I... You know, I alluded to it earlier. Listen, if this sparks a, a great revival, which a lot of leaders are saying it will, by people just becoming so desperate that they turn back to God, that would be a wonderful thing. And some of the great revivals that happened were very difficult times in our nation's history, and uh, and in other countries, too. I mean, uh, in the time of Martin Luther, uh the world was pretty bad, and the church was pretty corrupt. You know, thank God for Martin Luther. I mean, he and the Protestant Reformation has changed lives all the way up to our own day. In fact, uh, America might not be America if it weren't for the Protestant Reformation, because it was, you know, conservative, Bible-believing pilgrims who established our first form of government, which was the Mayflower Compact, uh, which acknowledged God and and established uh, kind of a government by the consensus of uh, of the people. You know, I'm not saying it very well. I say it better in the book. But all of these things tie together. God has plans and purposes that we don't know. Uh, he has a plan and purpose for me writing the book and you interviewing me about it. We, we have exactly. to believe that. And we have to believe that all things work together for good. And I try to end on a hopeful note and uh, hope... That And I'm glad that you <laughs> noticed that, and I hope the other readers do too. Yeah. Well, the book, again, is called God and the Cancel Culture. Stand strong before it's too late. And we've been talking with Stephen Strang, who's the author of the book. And uh, Stephen, again, tell people how they can find out more about this book and, and more about all the things you do there at Charisma Media. Well, thank you. The website is stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name with the word books with an S and there's a trailer, a really neat trailer that the uh, staff put together. There's some samples of the book. Uh, There's a way that you can get $120 worth of free stuff. If you order it before it's release date, September 7th, Um, a a subscription to charisma, some things that I, I mentioned earlier. And then of course there's links to the other things we do, the charisma podcast network, charismanews.com, and uh, we'd like for people to connect with us. And our new app, we have a new app called Charisma Plus, which is really pretty cool way to access all the content that we do. It's just, we're just getting started, uh, but it's good and it's free right now. So that's a good way for people to find out. They can send me a message or email me at info at charismamedia.com if, if they want to you know, email me directly. I'm glad to get feedback. I'd like for people to read the book and to share about it. Uh, they, people can take that little uh, trailer and the link to the site and put it on their so, own social media if they want to. You know, every little bit helps. You know, I hope that my book is a, a rallying cry to help people to know how to navigate this, how to navigate it, how to keep it from getting worse, how to try to change things in, in academia and uh business. I mean, it's just amazing to me that all the businesses that are woke, 
you know, why would Delta Airlines bother to even get involved? Or like Mike Huckabee says, Woca-Cola. It was a bill to eliminate election fraud. And yet somehow businesses are like boycotting states who don't vote the way they want. Why do businesses get involved? Why isn't big tech just more like the telephone company or the uh, water company or the power company and just serve everybody? The water company doesn't cut off your water because you don't vote the right way, but yet big tech is. And I know it's complicated. I'm in the publishing business. I understand. They're private businesses. But they're also sort of public utilities, and the government really needs to break them up, and it needs to make them accountable for what they do. They're not. They got some exceptions early in the days of the Internet, trying to help the Internet kind of get off the ground, and it's turned into a monstrosity that nobody uh, thought would happen. The thing is that we have to allow people to have freedom of speech as well as freedom of press, freedom of religion in this country. This goes way beyond the Christian community. It affects all Americans, Democrats and Republicans, because even the left turns on their own if the people aren't woke enough. And I talk about, in God and Cancel Culture, I I give examples of where the left has turned on their own. They're vicious. They're absolutely vicious. But we have to respond as Christians with the love of Jesus. We have to love everyone, no matter how bad things get. And hopefully this will cause people to turn back to God. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you for joining us today here on Crosspoint. Well, thank you. It's a privilege. Good interview today with Stephen Strang and the Bible that I hold in my hand right now. The Word of God, always stay with it. Stick to it. And books like this that work together with God's Word, what a help they are to us. So we want to put these things together. We want to work together. But always remember the Bible is the book that accurately will direct your life every day for everyone that will follow it. Why? Because the Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow.